Entrepreneurship is not typically a skill taught in SLP graduate school. Have you ever wanted to start a private practice or create a speech-related app? Today I'm chatting with Quintina Briscoe, founder and CEO of the Pediatric Speech Lab, about these topics and more. You're listening to the Speechy Side Up podcast. This podcast will cover the flip side of traditional speech and language therapy, so you get inspired and learn from experts in the field. Here is your host, author, AAC specialist, and matcha tea lover, Vanita Litvak. She and her guests are serving up some informative and fun topics in Speechy Side Up. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. You can also follow along on Instagram at Speechy Side Up. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today, I'm joined by Quintina Briscoe, the founder and CEO of the Pediatric Speech Lab. The Pediatric Speech Lab is a speech and hearing clinic ran out of Quintina's home to provide both in-person and teletherapeutic services to children. Their mission is to reach all of its clients who struggle with language, fluency, comprehension, and voice disorders, who are in rural areas, and clients who are not reachable due to the shortage of individuals in the field of speech language pathology. Hey, Quintina. Hi. I'm Hi, so everybody. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Uh, let's help the listeners get to know you better by painting a picture for them. Tell us about who you are, what you do today, and how you got there. Sure, sure. So again, hello, everybody. Um, thank you so much, Vanita, for having me on. I'm a speech and language provider. <laughs> I, um, I have a speech and language practice that was actually started out of my car. Um, I used to drive around to see my clients, and then I decided, let's just bring it on home. Um, I opened a speech and language clinic in the basement of my house. Um, so that's a full functioning clinic with a waiting area, a therapeutic area, um, snacks, coffee, and all of that good stuff. Um, right now, also, I am the owner of the company, and we do also teletherapeutic medicine. So we do teletherapy sessions um, for children in rural areas um, that do not have access to speech and language providers. In addition to some of our private practice clients who receive teletherapeutic services as well. Um, in addition to that, I have an app, um, and I've, I've just been doing a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> it sounds like it. Wow. I can't wait to dive into your story a little bit more. I love that you are, you have snacks and coffee in your waiting room. That's very important. <laughs> and, um, yeah, let's dive right in. So, you know, the thing is, SLPs don't usually take courses in entrepreneurship. How did you find resources to start your private practice and what challenges have you faced? So we do not have one, not one course on entrepreneurship in our practices as far as coming to speech pathologists. I started to look more into private practice when I started. I started as an ABA therapist. Um, and if anybody, you know, if you're not familiar with what that is, it's an actual therapy for primarily um, autistic children. So I started to do ABA therapy while I was in graduate school. And I started working for contract companies. Those contract companies were, um, they were owned and ran 
by a person, but that person I was in close contact with or I was in close proximity with. I could talk to them, ask questions and things of that nature. And then I decided, you know, wow, you know, they've actually started this thing and built it from the ground up, you know, it was so organic, you know, it wasn't something that was handed down to them. Um, it wasn't something that was um, inherited, um, handed down, or that, you know, it just wasn't something that they stumbled upon, but this was something that they really built from the ground up. And that actually, that interested me because, you know, we go to these big companies or um, these big rehabilitation centers and, you know, we don't have access to the owners because the owners are generally so high up and, you know, you just can't access them. But I think that when I started ABA therapy, and I started with those smaller contract companies with me seeing the people that actually ran the company and having access with them. I thought, wow, if they can do it, I can do it. And then I thought they're actually doing it. You know, they're being that therapist and then they're also being the CEO and founder of that company. So that's basically how I got into entrepreneurship, actually seeing that model. That's amazing. And then just knowing how to like work from your car, do you take insurance? Like how did you learn that stuff? So with the insurance part, I started to learn about that from a credentialer friend that I had. Um, she actually, you know, she started to do some credentialing and things with the doctors and the, um, the other healthcare providers in the actual network that she had. And a young lady introduced me to her and she's like, you know, Quintina, you can get you know, it, it would be easier if you were insured through the insurance company. So even when I started out of my car, I did not start until I was credential with the actual insurance companies. Okay. Yeah. That's good mm -hmm. to know. Yeah. You, it's de that networking is very important. So it's very important <laughs> that knew what to do. Yes. Yes. And then after actually, you know what the process with getting, and this is just to all of the speech and language pathologists who, um, who desire to be or open a speech and hearing clinic, um, I just want to encourage them that it wasn't hard. You know, I think that when it comes to entrepreneurship, there's a fine line in understanding I can handle this much and okay, I can't handle this. So I have to outsource it. Once I outsource, you know, my credentialer and getting her to credential me with all the insurance companies, that weight was lifted off of my back. And then once you credential with one insurance company, they're like tons of other ones who you can credential with. So even that falling into place that way just was really, really helpful. So I would just say if there are clinicians that want to open a private practice, I would definitely say do not let that part deter you from wanting to do it. Yeah, I love that piece of advice. And, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in outsourcing. If, you know, it's mm -hmm. possible, I think that time is money. So, yeah, making yes. an investment to pay somebody to do something for you. Well, think about your how much you're worth hourly. And if it's going to take you 15 hours to figure out something or more, you know, credentialing, mm -hmm. it's going to be so much more. It's probably worth it. It's probably a nice 
um, business investment to get started because there's not a lot of overhead, especially if you're working out of your car or working from home. Right. That credentialing piece is the hardest, one of the hardest parts. I know you're saying it's easy, but if you can have someone to outsource it to, then it is easier. 100%. Yes. So that's ex exactly what you said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it can be difficult, but it's more easier once you outsource it. So if you had to do it, I mean, we would, you know, I would get it done, but it's like, take that weight off, you know, and go ahead and outsource it. So that can be done without any stress. <laughs> yeah. And it's done yes. right because sometimes exactly. you go through all that and then you found it, find out you didn't do it right. And then you have to yes. resubmit it again. Yes. Yes. And I'm famous for outsourcing. I'm telling you as an entrepreneurship, whether you're opening a boutique or a speech and hearing clinic, I'm <laughs> outsourcing has been one of the best things for me because we just can't do it all. I am so glad you brought that up because I outsource so much. And a lot of people don't talk about this. Like they mm -hmm. pretend like they're just doing it all and you know, they're not, <laughs> there's just not enough mm -hmm. time in the day to do it all. So you have to be getting help from somewhere, whether it's at home or whether mm -hmm. you're hiring somebody. So I think it's so important that you brought that up because it doesn't have to be like long-term, like you don't have to have uh, an assistant long-term, but maybe right. someone to help with credentialing or you need someone to help with your marketing design or someone to get your Instagram set up. Um, those are some nice investments to make in terms of like a business that you can outsource and not get stressed out about. Mm -hmm. Yes. Outsourcing is just amazing. You're 100% correct. <laughs> Where do you like to outsource the most? Cause I love Upwork. So I, well, I, I've never used Upwork. I actually outsource with people that I've networked with, if okay. that makes sense. So my credentialer is someone that I've met. I'm a people person by nature. I just love people. So <laughs> that's just who I am. It's crazy. I'm like a loner and I really love people and people really love me. So I ended up meeting a young lady who said that she knew a credentialer, ended up meeting my credentialer, ended up meeting another lady that had the inside, um, I guess, scoop, I should say, with getting into the different insurance companies, like the bigger state insurance companies. So it was her that I was credentialing with. And then another person um, outsourced, she was doing my referrals. And then another school reached out to me as far as a biller and coder. So I've, you know, I've outsourced for that and my admin. So um, it's more so about the relationships that I've built. So I haven't used like a virtual assistant or anything right now. Okay, that's great. And um, do you have any like suggestions for networking, like where people or SLP specifically can find a network? <laughs> oh, of course. Mm -hmm. That is a wonderful question. We actually have a network of clinicians on the pediatric speech lab app. So Ooh. there is a blogging spot um, that you guys just have to get on there and make, make um, blog worthy. You know, they're the clinicians that work for me, they're on there, you know, they go back and forth, but there is definitely a blogging spot on the pediatric speech lab app just for us clinicians. You know, we can scroll up and down, put some challenges on there, you know, things that only we would understand, you know, real quirky things. <laughs> so there's definitely a platform on the Pediatric Speech Lab app. Um, and Instagram has been a great platform for me as well. Um, and then also some of the hangouts and the meetups. Um, there are groups on Facebook that are good for that. So social media has really helped with 
um, I think right now being social period, but just having a network on social and then also you can blog on the Pediatric Speech Lab app for that clinician interaction. Awesome. I'm so glad that you have that feature. That was perfect. Yes. So let's talk about how you are using teletherapy to reach clients in rural areas. Okay. So um, right now, if you look at the field of speech and language pathology, um, I honestly would say that most areas for speech pathology would be considered rural because they're just not a lot of us. You know, I think that um, right now in the city, there's, um, and in the city, I'm referring to the District of Columbia because I'm right um, outside of there and I'm in Maryland. So in the city, they actually, they have about a six month waiting list or like a three month waiting list at Children's Hospital or something crazy like that for speech and language pathologists. So when I speak about rural areas, I speak about those areas. So even inner city schools who only have one speech pathologist to about 300 children, um, rural areas, I'm speaking of places um, like Texas. I have a client out there who actually called and we did a virtual um, evaluation and I'm seeing a client in Texas. So the rural areas, they can just differ, but I mean, they're just not a lot of us. So with the teletherapy, it just really allows me to get to those individuals who have been put on waiting lists or just does not have access to a therapist at all. That's great. And it's a really good point because whether they're rural or not, like the waiting list is a major factor. So if they're waiting to go to a hospital, but they could see someone via teletherapy faster, it's a Mm -hmm. nice option to have. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And, you know, I don't think about that very often because I live in such like a suburban area, but you're right. I would say most of the country is probably Mm -hmm. rural outside of those major metropolitan areas. Yeah. Even though um, the the District of Columbia is a major metropolitan area and there's so many children who have not been seen because they cannot access a specialist. And that's the thing that that really weighed heavy on me because it's like, they're not enough of us. That's so true. Yeah. Even where I live, we had a shortage of SLPs this year and I had to cover services in the schools on top of like the 40 schools that I cover already. Mm -hmm. Mm. But something like what you provide would be very helpful. We actually ended up going the teletherapy route for those schools because we ended up not being able to get a therapist at all. So that was the first time we tried that, I believe. And uh, it worked out well. Good. Yeah, yeah I really we're having to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was just about to say, I really truly believe this is the future. Like I said, I have a clinic um, in the basement of my house. And sometimes, you know, as soon as this started, I just, I had to just shut it down because I was so, uh, I just wanted to be cognizant of not bringing germs in, not taking any out. So teletherapy has really, really been my saving grace and it helped so much more because we were already practicing this we were already practicing their teletherapy so it wasn't as though my clinicians had to hurry up and figure something out it was more so okay guys i mean just more hours let's get to it you know so they were already understanding they were already trained so teletherapy has been the saving grace right now 
Yeah, that's, that's great. And I, anybody that's listening to this and they're just having a really hard time with teletherapy right now, I don't want you to get high listening to this and thinking like, oh my gosh, is this really the future? I like seeing my kids one-on-one. I think it's anything that's new is scary. Like remember AAC and working with devices for the first time if, for anybody that, you know, is more familiar with AAC now that was scary and very time consuming. So just think about it that way. Like it's a learning curve, but you know, where we, most of us weren't doing teletherapy at all. It's definitely nice that you have this in your toolkit now. Yeah. I went to Asher. I want to say about a year before I started my company, my company has been running a little over three years now. So probably about four years ago, I want to say I went to Asher and I remember strategically, I kept seeing teletherapy, teletherapy. And I'm like, what is this teletherapy? Like, what's going on? I don't even know, you know, because it wasn't popular. It wasn't, you know, about four years ago, it just, you know, wasn't. So I'm like, let me go to these different classes and see. And just, I just fell in love with the um, mode of therapy and um, I fell in love with it. But I agree, you know, some, this won't, it won't be necessarily, we're only going to do therapy online because what I also like to tell my parents is that, and other clinicians, because I also do teletherapy training. Um, I like to tell them that make sure that everybody is, um, everybody is eligible to receive teletherapy because everybody's not eligible to receive teletherapy. There's some disorders that just, you know, won't ever be eligible to um, receive teletherapy. So I don't want to, you know, say that it'll just be the teletherapy will just be the end all. So yes, I would have to agree with you. (laughs) Yeah. Great point that you brought up. Yeah. So I know some of the areas that you really like to focus on are early intervention and autism. What are your go-to resources for those populations? Oh, so let's see. My go-to resources for early, early intervention would have to be um, strategic, formal um, play therapy. So with that, I would say a lot of hands-on, that tactile learning. Um, and then so in addition to maybe um, Teachers Pay Teachers or um, we have flashcards on the Pediatric Speech Lab app. So those are just a few of the resources that I'm using at the moment. Okay, great. And um, anything else for autism specifically or you just is that kind oh. of broad for both populations? Yes. No, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So for autism, I'm using, and I know, Vanita, you do a lot with AAC devices, so don't shoot me down with this, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I have a a few clients that um, have been diagnosed with autism, and some of them, as you know, um, guys, they can be nonverbal, they can be verbal, but a few of the, one of the apps that I'm actually using right now Um, as an AAC device is actually downloadable on the iPad. It's called SimboTalk. So I really, really like SimboTalk. I'm one of, I just had a meeting with Toby Donovan last week with one of my clients and they're actually upgrading to an actual AAC device. But at this moment, before we started to get the device, we started to use SimboTalk as an app on his iPad. And I mean, it's just been amazing his receptive language and his expressive language has like gone through the roof with this, with this um, app. 
Oh, that's great. That's awesome. And I like that you utilize like your local reps. I encourage people to do that. If you're looking to upgrade, like you said, to a speech generating device, meeting with your local mm -hmm. OB, your local Saltil, your local PRC rep, um, you know, trialing a couple different devices. And then, mm -hmm. so did you go through insurance to recommend the device? Mm -hmm. So, oh, yep, my wow. admin ended up going through the insurance. They actually, well, actually, we found the device and the insurance, you, insurance, you know, that you have to basically, I guess, write up a prescription. So this is my first time really doing an in-depth um, AAC order. So they had to actually um, come out. I have to finish the report. Well, actually, the report is done, and then we'll send that over to the insurance company. And then, yes, they will approve it and eventually um, go ahead and buy that be buy the actual device for him. Oh, that's exciting. Those reports are no joke. That's like starting teletherapy for the first time. So oh, no. <laughs> I'm in you. But you said you already finished the report. So it sounds like you got a lot of it done. That's good. Yeah, I did. But still, it, I also, you know, I'm, I'm OCD. So I'm going to have to go back and, you know, I like to add stuff and make it very, very um, informational. So I'm going to go back and get through it some more and then I should be done. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you have any questions, I'll like be happy to help you or I'm sure you're right. Oh, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's talk about your app. It's called Pediatric Speech Lab and yes. it's for kids with speech and language delays. That's so amazing. So why did you yes. create the app and how does it help your clients? Okay. So I love telling this story, Vanita. I created this app because I had so many clients there. Oh God, I'm going to tell you two reasons. The main two reasons why I created this app, because there's so many. Um, the first reason was because my clients consistently have asked me for carryover activities. They're like, Miss Briscoe, when we get out of this session, they're like, what else can we do? Like, come on, give me some more. Like I, you know, because most of our sessions are 30 minutes, you know, it might be a two 30 minute session a week, but some parents really want more so that they can see progress faster. So that was my first reason, um, just to provide them some type of bridge to connect a bridge between the clinician and the parent for the betterment of the child. So um, if the child is working on a phonological process, fronting um, and that's something that I say, okay, make sure you, you know, you do these fronting cards maybe twice to three times a week, then they're, they're, they would have been receiving speech and language or something close to it five days a week. So they see me for two and then they have these flashcards for three days a week. And then guess what? You know, their prognosis is better. They're getting better, you know, triple times faster. So um, that is the first reason bridging the gap. And then the second reason was because there are just not a lot of speech and language pathologists. I felt as though if I had some material, something to supplement these parents and these children while in the interim of actually receiving therapy, I felt as though the child wouldn't have a a window to regress, but only they would get better and better. And then by the time they actually see their specialist, they're able, they're at a different, you know, they're at just at a different level because they've been practicing these things on the app. So those are the two major reasons. That's awesome. Like, guys, this is so cool. Like she created an <laughs> app. I mean, it's amazing. Yes. So yeah. and, <laughs> mm -hmm. sorry. 
No, I was going to say they can do it too. So I did want to ask you, like, how did you even find the resources to get an app designed if you don't mind sharing? Oh, of course, of course. I don't, um, I don't mind at all. So I was actually on my um, Instagram page and I'm a very spiritual person. So I was following um, a young entrepreneur. You might know her as Dana Chanel. Um, Dana Chanel is a 20, I believe she's about 22 year old entrepreneur. She's worth um, over a couple millions of dollars. So she actually decided she was going to develop the Sprinkle of Jesus app. And then she started developing apps from her company called Alakazam apps. If anybody is writing this down, it's called Alakazam apps and it's by Dana Chanel. Um, and I just decided, you know, what can I do with an app, you know, my own platform, a platform for people who are like me, you know, a platform for supplying a need, a platform. So then I actually, and I've never told anybody this, I've actually went down for my first meeting with the Alakazam app developing team. And I couldn't figure out if I was going to go with my spiritual um, clothing apparel line, which is called God Girl, or I was going to go with my profession, which was speech and language pathology, which I feel like is ultimately my ministry. So she's like, I think that, you know, I think that you should do the speech and language. And it meant so much to me because even before we even touched the subject, we prayed about it. You know, we invited God in, we talked, you know, well, not talked, we prayed about it and invited him in. And then the ideas just started going crazy. So she basically, you know, she's like, Quintina, you can do a speech and language app. You can be like the Uber of speech and language pathology. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> so um, on the app as well, it has a speech and language pathologist locator. So if you're going, if you're looking for a speech and language pathologist, then if they're working for my company, my teletherapy company, then it'll have, you'll go on there, you'll put in your area, it'll pull up a speech pathologist, and the speech pathologist picture will come up and say, hi, my name is Alicia, I'm a speech language pathologist, I specialize in AAC communication, you know, so it gives you the full, you know, outline of what they do, how long they've been practicing, and I just felt like this was something that we needed, so that's how the actual idea came to fruition. <laughs> that is so awesome. I love that so much. I don't know if you saw my story yesterday on Instagram, um, but I shared something like kind of like what you were saying. There was this caption that I read and one of the things she said was things are going to happen if you fully surrender your will to God's will. Oh girl, I read it. Don't oh, worry. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I read that. Okay. <laughs> So good. We don't ever get spiritual on here. This is probably the first episode, but I am just such a firm believer in like, you have to go with those things that are like pulling at your heart because it's God telling you. Yeah. yeah and it's already there. It's already done. We just got to go get it. So exactly. Oh, that's so amazing. <laughs> so was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we jump into our little game? Um, no, actually. Okay, cool. We covered it all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. So do you have any good stories or therapy fails that you want to share? Hmm, let's see. Um, I actually, I have quite a few, <laughs> but 
one of my good stories is I have a client that I absolutely love. Okay, first of all, let me put this out here. I love all of my clients. But um, I have one um, little one that I really, really love. And she was having like this horrible day. And I, um, I was sitting in front of her and crisscross applesauce and she was crisscross applesauce and, um, she just didn't want to do the work. So I kind of like waited her out, didn't give her too much attention, you know, kind of parallel play. Um, and so she, she decided she just had enough of me and she got up and she bit like my whole boob. Like oh, I felt no. like it was going to Oh no. I said, it was so <laughs> bad. And then like, if I would, like, if you were to see it after that, you could see her teeth, her teeth mark Ooh. in there. Like, it took a, like, a, I was, oh my goodness. So that was just one of those stories that was very interesting. That has never happened to me, actually. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you're like, don't react. Don't react. Okay. <laughs> that was Exactly. Awesome. And you know what? I sat there like, because it really hurt. It really, really hurt. Oh, I can only imagine. <laughs> Sorry that happened. Um, so what are three things that you can't work without? Mm, let's see. Um, I cannot work without, seeming as though my population, seeming as though most of my caseload, um, their diagnoses are more similar. I feel like I cannot work out without bubbles. Um, I feel like I cannot work without a transitional schedule. And we're talking about speech, right? Sure, yeah. Okay, and then, <laughs> then I feel like I cannot work without a beanbag. Yeah, I love that, like, <laughs> occupational therapy component. That you yes. <laughs> that sensory component. Yes. Um, okay, and then what do you enjoy doing outside of work? Ooh. Outside of speech, um, that way. Outside of speech. Um, let's see. I was about to say outside of work, I feel like my life is work, <laughs> literally. Um, but I would say hanging with my son, who's 12 years old, and hanging with my friends. Um, just nothing much, maybe going to dinner or to see a movie or a show or my number one thing vacationing that is my thing so let's just say that the number one thing I enjoy doing outside of work outside of speech pathology outside of everything is vacationing and traveling I am right there with you (laughs) (laughs) and then what is one piece of advice you would tell your younger self hmm so I would tell my younger self to to not be anxious for anything that's what I would tell my younger self I would tell my younger self not to be anxious and to be God willing in all situations and then just to trust God more that's the main thing trusting God more and having more faith I love that what a great way to wrap this up so if anybody wants to find and connect with you where can they go of course. So you can connect with me on PED Speech Lab. So that's P-E-D-S-P-E-E-C-H-L-A-B on Instagram, um, as well as Facebook. But we actually have a Facebook group called Autism-ish. So that just basically means autism-ish is stuff. 
Um, and that's about it. We also have a website, but everything that is on Instagram is under Teach Lab. And then there's a link tree there. So you can also click on that link tree and you can get all of my locations, Facebook, Instagram, everything. Awesome. And the app, where's the app found? Yes. Yeah, so the app is actually in my link tree as well on the Speech Lab page. And okay. then there is a um, there is a landing page for the app. You can get it on Android and Google. But if you just don't feel like typing it in, make sure you guys visit the PSL app.com. So it's the T-H-E-P-S-L pediatric speech lab app.com. That's the actual landing page. You just click the Android button or the Apple button and you got yourself a wonderful app. Awesome. Well, thank you <laughs> so much for coming on. This was such a pleasure. Thank you, Benita. Thank you so, so much for having me. I really, really enjoy being here with you. Me too. Well, until next time. Thank you. Bye guys. Before we go, I wanted to see if you like listening to these episodes every week. Do you want to keep hearing from these awesome guests? And do you love that you can learn the helpful resources and tips for free? My editor, aka my sister, and I spend a lot of time every week putting these episodes together so that they can be ready for you on Wednesday mornings. We would love it so much if you would take a screenshot of this episode and share it on social media or leave a positive review. And guess what? Every month, I will choose one reviewer to win a little thank you gift. You can choose from a product in my TPT store, an AAC coaching call, or gift card. It's the least I can do to show how much I appreciate your support. It's because of you that this podcast keeps going.